Hey everyone, welcome to My Wife the Dietitian, a weekly podcast about lifestyle and healthy eating. I'm Rob and together with my wife Sandra, we invite you to join us on this informative yet entertaining journey through the complex world of healthy eating. We'll cover everything but the kitchen sink. Each week we'll discuss topics ranging from how to protect yourself from developing cancer, spicy foods to rev up the libido, to caring for your palliative grandfather with Alzheimer's. We'll also delve into more complex issues like, what the heck is oat milk? Why doesn't my butt fit into these jeans? And every guy's favorite question, will eating spinach really make it bigger? Join us each week as we strive to educate, enlighten, and entertain you. We have a special guest joining us today. You can find him kicking around the beaches of Southern California. He's an associate professor at Santa Barbara City College. He's got a master's degree in human performance. He's a coach, a runner, a surfer, and a kiteboarder. And he's been on a strict plant-based vegan diet for the last seven years. You know, I think that I am recovering between hard workouts, from races, uh, and just overall in general, better than I was uh, before I went vegan. His name is Scott Fickerson, and he joins us today to discuss the ins and outs of fueling yourself on a plant-based diet. Hi, Sandra. Hi, Rob. How's it going? Good. So today we're talking about vegan diets, vegan for athletes and for runners and for anyone really, I guess, who's interested in eating vegan or plant-based. Yeah, and it's perfect timing because we just did the protein quiz last episode, 47, and it was all about uh, different types of protein, including plant-based proteins. Yeah, exactly. And we've got a very knowledgeable guest with us today, and uh, he knows a lot about this, so it's uh, it's a very informative episode if you're interested in this kind of thing. So, yeah, let's bring him on. Yeah. We're here with Scott Fickerson, Associate Professor of Health at the Santa Barbara City College, He's a coach, an athlete, and he runs his fully remote online training program, TotalRunCoaching.com. Hi, Scott. Hey, Scott. Hi, Sandra. Hi, Rob. How's it going, buddy? I'm doing well, thanks. How are you guys? I'm doing awesome. Scott's Scott's also uh, a good friend of ours, too. We've known Scott for quite a few years, so yeah, we know all about him. We can vouch for him. He's a decent <laughs> guy, and he knows what he's talking about. Scott's a friend. Thanks, he's Rob. he's got uh, he's like the cross trainer. He does running and kiteboarding is how we know him and uh, wind sports and yeah, it's uh, it's awesome to talk to you today, Scott. Yeah, happy to be here. Thanks for having me. Yeah, and we're our topic today is uh, plant based for runners or vegan for runners. And so we have a lot of questions just to um, kind of dispel some myths and to get your whole approach on this, because um, in your, what you do as a coach, is this um, an area that you talk about to your students? Nutrition? Absolutely. Nutrition is really, really important. You know, a lot of the athletes that I coach as a college coach are not really that clued in on nutrition. They're basically 
eating what mom and dad put in front of them, or they're living away from mom and dad for the first time and eating on their own. And so generally they're going with what's convenient and what's easy and what's inexpensive. And of course, what tastes good. It's pretty standard for uh, kids that age, I think, across the board, right? Yes, very, very much so. So which age group is uh, like typically um, that you're coaching? Uh, my college kids were at a community college, so they're freshmen and sophomores. So generally 18 to 21 uh, or so. And then with my business, uh, pretty much any age, I coach some adolescents, uh, middle-aged, uh, older. Yeah, uh, for that, and I'm willing to work with any age. And we might as well just, I don't know if Sandra mentioned your business. We might as well just have a quick chat about that now too. And we'll mention it again later, just because I'm sure we'll refer to it throughout the podcast and just so people understand what the heck we're talking about. Um, but you do an online coaching for runners. Is that correct? Yes. It's uh, totalruncoaching.com. Uh, it's geared towards uh, runners of pretty much any specific discipline. So I coach some runners that focus on uh, racing on the track, uh, coach some runners that are focused on running like a marathon. And at the moment, I don't have any ultra marathoners uh, running trail races, but I've worked with them in the past as well. So uh, cover, like I said, if, if they're running, I'll coach them. Yeah. And you're a runner yourself too, right? I mean, yes, I just... I've started running when I was seven years old and uh, pretty much have never stopped. <laughs> You're hard to keep up with. I can't catch you, Scott. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> That's funny. So with your uh, totalruncoaching.com, you can uh, train and coach people remotely and online. So they don't have to be in the same city as you or you don't have to see them in person for your coaching, right? Yep, absolutely. Um, so the way it works basically is I have kind of an initial consultation to learn about their goals and their running history, uh, injury history, things like that. And then I design a plan for them. And then once they kind of start, they use a platform uh, called Final Surge uh, and they upload their runs. They can either do that manually or lots of today's uh, GPS watches and apps on the phones and things like that will connect directly with final surge so i can see all the details of their runs and they can comment and add additional feedback how they were feeling uh things that they're thinking about and then we can communicate that way it's almost like text messaging back and forth um i also have pretty much free uh you know text texting me asking questions things like that as much as uh, each client needs and and we just kind of go from there some take the plan and just go out and do it. Uh, others, you know, want lots of feedback and have tons of questions. And part of it depends on are things going smoothly for them? Sometimes it's, uh, you know, how experienced of a, of an athlete are they and you know, things like that. Right. It sounds like a great, uh, a great service for people. So I hope that goes well for you. Thanks. Awesome. Um, I have a question to start here. Unless, Rob, do you have a, any questions? No, I was just going to hand it to you, Sandra. 
Excellent. Okay. I was wondering, how can an athlete fuel themselves without meat, like animal protein, on a vegan diet? Because I think that's a, a concern or people talk to me and say, well, you know, I, I need to fuel myself and I need to eat meat to do that. So what, what do you tell people? Uh, well, I will start by saying that I can assure that this is uh, possible. Not only are several of my athletes that I'm currently coaching uh, 100% plant-based or vegan, but so am I. Uh, it'll be uh, seven years in January since I last ate meat. In fact, since I last ate any animal product whatsoever. And since during that time, I've run a couple of marathons. I've run a 50K, averaged you know, anywhere from 30 to 50 miles a week uh, when I'm not training for a specific race. And I'm not, you know, gasping for energy, crawling around in between workouts because I'm, <laughs> I'm low on fuel or anything right. like that. In fact, I would uh, say that it's the exact opposite. You know, I think that I am recovering between hard workouts from races uh, and just overall in general better than I was uh, before I went vegan because I am making more of an effort to eat healthy and I'm getting the nutrients that I need that promote recovery. So, uh, yeah, I, I feel great. I'll be 50 next year. And, uh, I think I'm running just as strong as I was when I was in my mid early thirties. That's amazing. Yeah. And Scott doesn't look 50 and he looks like the most fit person I know. Thank you. Uh, so that is the perspective that I'm coming from is that I'm you know doing it myself. So, when you're asking me how can a runner fuel themselves on a vegan diet without protein, a couple of things come to mind. First is when I hear the word fuel, I think calories. And calories are basically just a unit of energy. And it doesn't matter if we're talking protein, carbohydrates, or fat, they all provide calories. And so we're, instead of getting our calories from an animal source, we're just getting them all from a plant source. Right. And Excellent. so that ultimately that's how one would do it is they just need to make sure that they're getting sufficient calories. One thing with many animal products is they tend to be fairly calorically dense because they're packaged with a fair amount of fat also. And so right. the number one, I, I guess I'll say complaint I get from athletes that are trying to go plant-based is that sometimes they feel weak and all I tell them is just eat larger quantities than you're used to because you're eating a lot of foods now that aren't as calorically dense as what you're used to, but they're much more nutritionally dense and so they're going to be better for you. Um, and as soon as they do that, problem solved, they feel great and they're off and running. Literally. That makes, that yeah, makes literally. That makes a lot of sense, actually, if you, if you think about it. And uh, I just know for through myself, if I have like, say, a salad for lunch that doesn't have anything heavy protein uh, or well, not any like any meat protein in it, I won't feel full and I'll need to eat more more of it to to fill myself up. So I get where you're coming from. Yeah, sometimes uh, if, if I have an athlete that I'm either interacting with on video or uh, if it's like my team, because occasionally uh, I'll have athletes on my team that are plant-based or they're, they consider going plant-based, 
sometimes I'll bring in my salad bowl to show them. And it's basically a giant mixing bowl that I use. If I'm just going to have a salad, that's generally the size of the meal that I'm having. I remember that, actually. Uh, I remember your salad bowl, Scott, and how uh, big of a meal you eat. <laughs> I'm guessing <laughs> that was that was down in Mexico. <laughs> I think so. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, exactly. It's like less calories, uh, but the nutrient density is good because it's plant food. Exactly. And how do you get enough protein in a day, like uh, just over the 24-hour period? What sources of, of protein are you eating? Another good question. And as, as a uh, dietitian, I'm sure you know this, that with a few exceptions, like you know maybe olive oil or uh, something like that, everything that we're eating has amino acids. And what protein is, is just I mean, a, a variety of amino acids that come together in our bodies to build different structures. And so the only difference with not eating animal products is that we're getting all of our amino acids from plant sources instead of some of them coming from animal sources. So, uh, so that's the first thing. And then, again, the key is to be eating enough quantity of food to be able to get all the amino acids that we need and not only quantity but a diversity of food sources so for me uh, i make sure that i get pretty much every single day and often multiple times a day i really aim to get beans um, in my routine as well as whole grains and then fruits and veggies on top of that and nuts and seeds are also a good source of amino acids i.e. protein. Oh, excellent. Yeah, I love to hear that. That's that's exactly what I tell people is uh, your plant-based proteins, the legumes and nuts and seeds are a great source of good healthy fats and the protein and other nutrients. Yeah, we just did an episode a few weeks ago all about beans and legumes and uh, I think it was an eye-opener for a lot of people. I, it definitely was for me just uh, realizing how important and how um, how many different options there are as far as, as beans and, and legumes and, and how healthy they are. Yeah, but, absolutely. But you already knew that, right? <laughs> I, I did. Um, but you know, can I, can I talk to you briefly about kind of a couple of things that happened to me when I, as I transitioned to being uh, vegan that really helped me? For sure. Yes. The first was that I started subscribing to a CSA produce delivery box. And so every week they would drop a box of produce on my doorstep and I would come home from work and there it would be. And there would be recipes on how I could use some of these things. And what I found is there were all sorts of fruits and vegetables that I had never gone out and bought on my own that were suddenly forced upon me, so to speak. Mm -hmm. um, and so it really expanded kind of my, it opened my eyes in terms of di a diversity of different types of foods that I could eat. And then having those recipes, I was able to learn how to prepare them. And then I kind of went off from there. But that process over a couple of years just really opened my eyes as to uh, how many different types of plant foods there are that I could incorporate into my meal. And in this case, mostly fruits and vegetables. Yeah. Um, and then the next thing was I discovered Dr. Michael Greger. 
He is a doctor who runs the website uh, nutritionfacts.org. Facts, yes, yes. Um, and that whole website is basically committed to going through the nutrition literature and, I guess, debunking the myths and proving what is accurate. Um, and he has something that is called uh, his, his Daily Dozen. And it's what all the science shows are the types of things that everyone should aim to eat on a daily basis. And right at the top of the list is beans. Yeah. Um, and along with that, I, about the same time, I discovered the Blue Zones, which are five places around the world where the most uh, long-lived people on Earth live. And there's certain characteristics that they all have. And they all share the characteristic of eating beans on a daily basis. Yeah, it's it's funny. We've uh, we've mentioned the blue zones a few times with our uh, in a few different episodes for the same reason, and it's it's all uh, um, to do with uh, with the beans for sure. Yeah, five, four or five times a week, it, just to try to get people to eat more beans is like one of my missions. It's uh, it's funny, <laughs> Scott. Scott and I are talking on the same language here, Rob. Eh? Yeah, you totally are. It sounds so familiar. <laughs> Absolutely. So, kind of bottom line, how do we how do I get enough protein on a on a vegan diet? Is eat a well rounded diet, plenty of diversity, and get enough calories. And if you do that, you're going to be fine. Um, in the United States, the RDA, I think is ballpark 56 grams of protein per day. As an athlete, you probably want to push that up to one and a half times. So let's just say around 80 gram, 80 to 90 grams a day. And whenever I do food logs with my nutrition class at the college, I'll, I'll do them myself and we'll analyze our macronutrients. And I'm easily, you know, 90 to sometimes upward close to 150 grams Per day with without even really trying just eating how i eat oh really um so yeah protein is not an issue absolutely i agree i mean i don't think protein is a nutrient of concern in the united states i think the general population is getting enough protein and uh, maybe in certain circumstances like in elderly uh people at risk with illness uh, recovering from surgery or cancer treatment, maybe they might have um, increased protein requirements that they're not meeting because of their appetite and different reasons. But in general, healthy population, it's not protein, it's fiber. We do not get enough fiber. Like 97% of the population is deficient or not getting enough fiber every day. So that's a nutrient of concern. And if you have a plant-based diet or vegan diet, you'll get your fiber. If you're eating right, not not chips and Doritos and um, you well, know maybe Oreo we should cookies. Mention that too. The difference that Scott's uh, mentioned to us before the podcast here the the difference between plant based and either vegetarian or vegan. Like there is there is a difference, but people sort of throw them all under the you know into the same category. But maybe you can just explain that to us. Sure. Well, vegetarian would be someone who avoids meat. Uh, but will eat uh, eggs and dairy. Right. A vegan is someone who's going to avoid all animal products. And usually it's for ethical, moral, or environmental reasons. Sure. Um, but they're not necessarily, they don't necessarily have their health in mind. So, uh, you know, you could basically live on Oreos and potato chips and Sour Patch Kids and <laughs> you're vegan. 
Right. But are you healthy? Absolutely not. Right. Um, plant-based, 100% plant-based is making an effort for your health to eat basically a diet of vegetables, fruits, whole grains, legumes, nuts, and seeds. And now the nice benefit of that is that the environment is better for it and the animals are happy. So it's, you know, basically the best of, of both worlds right. and plant-based. And your body's happier for it too. I think I, I'm, I'm positive that people that are fueled by plants are, um, they're more energetic and more productive and they don't have the heaviness of the meat, um, weighing them down. I mean, it's, uh, I think, um, for so many years, historically, we've all thought, oh, you know, you have to have animal-based protein to get all your nutrients. But I think because of the lack of fiber in the American diet and too much meat, that it's just the balance is off and we do need to have more plant-based foods on our plate. And if it's hundred percent plant-based, all the better for it. Agreed. Agreed. And it's funny you mentioned fiber. Because if I'm if I'm feeling kind of frisky, and someone asks, you know, finds out that I'm vegan, how do you get your protein? Is often the question that I get, and sometimes my retort will be, "How do you get your fiber?" <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> I like that. That's awesome, and it's so true, right? But it's it's that one nutrient that people just don't think about. They think protein. That's protein and carbs. Those are the important ones, right? And, and now fat's kind of like the trendy one, but fiber has never been like the focal point that I'm aware of. I would agree wholeheartedly. I mean, I have college students that are eating, you know, eggs and bacon for breakfast and some sort of like burger for lunch and a, a steak burrito for dinner. Yet after their workout, they're still pounding a protein shake because they think they need more protein. Oh, that is, that's so interesting. I love to hear that just because it just, it represents like what people are eating, like kind of a general population and thinking they need more protein and most even like athletes, especially, but really it's the fiber. You need more fiber. You want to poop. <laughs> Sorry. Oh, yep. <laughs> uh, Yeah. So, there, so there's some other nutrients of concern that I was wondering how you um, ensure that your athletes that you coach get these and yourself. Um, so a few of the nu nutrients of concern that come to mind for me are vitamin B12, vitamin D, omega-3, calcium, and iron. Mm -hmm. All are definitely uh, vitamins of concern or nutrients of concern, because not all of those are vitamins. <laughs> the first thing I'll say is all of those, in my opinion, and from what I have read, are nutrients of concern for virtually all people, whether they're omnivore, carnivore, or plant-based. B12 is the one that you hear most commonly mentioned with going plant-based. Got to make sure you get your B12. And, and I would agree, you know, B12 is something that we used to get if it's produced by bacteria we used to get it by eating you know plants and and tubers and things like that that are covered you know still have some dirt on them and have bacteria and we're drinking our water from streams you know that's once upon a time thousands of years ago nowadays it's it's difficult to get and most livestock are fed food that's supplemented with b12 and so the livestock's getting it that way 
And therefore, if you're eating those meats, then you're getting your B12. And so if there was one thing to supplement, and you can supplement it in a, a number of ways, it would be B12. And so you can just take a B12 supplement, or you can eat foods that are enriched with B12. So some common ones, breakfast cereals, most of your plant-based milks have B12 in them. Um, there's probably a few others. And then the other uh, really common source is nutritional yeast, commonly referred to as nooch amongst uh, the old vegan hippies. Um, it has kind of a cheesy kind of flavor. And so you can use it in place of cheese on a lot of things. We put it on our popcorn. You can put it on your popcorn. I, I do that. That's yeah. a good Saturday night movie treat around For here. Sure. <laughs> um, you know, a little, yeah, a little salt, salt, little. Uh, hey, baby, you want a little nooch? <laughs> she always says yes. <laughs> right? I've never heard that term, Scott. That's so interesting. Nooch. Nutritional yeast. Nooch. Uh-huh. Nutritional yeast. Nooch. Yes. I always thought it was like uh-huh. brewer, brewer's yeast, but yeah, nutritional yeast. Brewer's yeast sounds so, I don't know, like a chemical, like a chemistry kind of like I'm, I'm yeah. at a winery or a, you know, a brewer's place uh, making sourdough or wine or beer. But anyways, I like that. Nooch. Yeah. Well, brewer's yeast and nutritional yeast are different. Oh, okay. Brewer's yeast would be used in baking. Nutritional yeast is kind of a flaky sort of, and I don't think that it's live, whereas brewer's yeast, I believe, is is still live. Oh, there we go. Um, so it produces the the gases that help with you know leavening bread and things like that. Nutritional yeast is actually enriched. It doesn't have the B twelve in it naturally. It's just fortified with B twelve, and so right uh, by eating it, you're getting your B twelve. So. Oh. Um, that is one. Yeah, you definitely want to supplement it in one way or another. I tried for a period of time to just get my B12 from uh, nutritional yeast. And I don't eat a lot of foods on a regular basis that are, are enriched with it personally. And I found that uh, I, through getting regular blood work, my B12 numbers were slowly dropping. They were still well within the safe range, but they were dropping kind of slowly but surely and so i've i've gone ahead and added that as a supplement good idea yeah that makes sense totally okay next up let's cover uh, omega-3 fatty acids most people are going to get this one probably from your fatty fish like salmon or mackerel it's another one that uh, many people are deficient in their omega-3 fatty acids regardless if they're omnivores carnivores or vegan right for me, uh, my sources for this are going to be hemp seeds, chia seeds, flax seeds, and spirulina, which is a blue-green algae. Nice. And by eating those, I have no problem getting my omega-3 fatty acids. That's another one that I, I get tested yearly uh, with my blood work. And, and I'm not eating massive amounts of those things. I'm I have one a, a couple of tablespoons of those every day in some sort of combination. So it might just be like today I had a smoothie with some chia seeds and some hemp seeds. You know, on the weekend I make pancakes, I might put flax seeds in them. Um, you know, so it, it varies exactly what is uh, in them, but it's by incorporating those into my diet on a regular basis, I've been able to meet my needs for omega-3 fatty acids. Scott, do you uh, yeah. do you grind your flaxseed? I do. I have okay. a uh, 
coffee grind, coffee bean grinder that I've uh, dedicated specifically to grinding those seeds. That's yeah, perfect. That sounds, That's what we do familiar. too. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, they're, yeah. especially flax, uh, they store much better if you keep them unground and then just grind them as you need them. If you grind them, they will go uh, rancid much more quickly. Absolutely. Yeah. For me, vitamin D is not an issue because I'm an outdoor person living in Southern California. Lucky. For, <laughs> Lucky, for, totally. Uh, yeah, I mean, even in the winter, you know, I'm often found running around with my shirt off and things like that, getting my vitamin D from the sun. Uh, but this is one that, again, you can get fairly easily because it's a nutrient of concern. It's found in a lot of different foods uh, that are fortified, but it's not a bad one to supplement, uh, especially in the winter time if you're in the Northern Hemisphere. Yeah. Um, or you're just someone who's not outdoors exercising on a regular basis, showing a fair amount of skin that's not covered with sunscreen. Um, if you're lathering up with anything stronger than about SPF 15, then you're not really uh, getting much vitamin D from the sun either. So true. And are true. you, have you, have you uh, measured your D? Like, you know, um, your blood levels of vitamin D are okay. Yes. Yep. They're okay. Also. I, did you ask about calcium? No, but I, I was going to, or maybe you did. Oh, okay. Sandra. I know you yeah. said iron. Um, for me, iron and calcium are more or less coming from uh, the same sources. Uh, both, I'm getting them from dark leafy greens. And once again, my beans, my legumes. Um, I eat a lot of lentils in addition to beans and uh, whole grains as well. By eating a nice varied combination of my dark leafy greens, my cruciferous veggies, which is like your cabbage, broccoli, uh, cauliflower, things like that along with a nice, well-rounded uh, variety of beans, legumes, and whole grains. I'm doing just fine on the iron and uh, calcium in my blood work also. Oh, that's wonderful. That's actually, that was one of my questions I was going to ask. Do vegans end up with iron deficiency? Because I think that's another misconception out there because meat has a good, the heme iron, you know, the animal protein has heme iron. And then you have non-heme iron out of the plant-based protein. But if, you, if you're eating uh, a varied amount of it with legumes and nuts and seeds and like the sesame seeds are really a really good source of calcium, actually. But yeah, you'll get, I'm sure you're getting lots of iron with um, your plant foods. Yes, absolutely. So you mentioned uh, heme iron. So from, that would be iron source from meat non-heme would be the source coming from plants. And it is less bioavailable. So what that means is that uh, people are, bo people's bodies are not going to absorb the iron quite as efficiently as they will heme iron from meat. But there's a little hack uh, to help with that. And that would be combining uh, vitamin C with your whenever you're eating a good source of non-heme iron so that would be your iron that's coming from plant-based foods and so for me it could be uh, just having a salad with spinach and making sure that i have bell peppers or tomatoes or something like that and there's something that's a good source of vitamin c or if i'm doing a stir fry i'll put in like a squeeze of lemon juice in there um, things things like that just will help with the absorption of that non-heme iron. And then the other thing I wanted to mention um, as far as 
iron deficiency in vegans versus non-vegans, there's absolutely no uh, difference between the two. The numbers are pretty much the same as far as population that is low on iron. It's going to be, you know, some vegans are going to be low, some non-vegans are going to be low. And in fact, in the United States, iron deficiency uh, is probably the most common mineral or vitamin deficiency. Despite yes. whether you're vegan or not. Correct. And and yeah. I think the percentage of vegans in the United States is somewhere around uh, between 1% and 3% of the population. It's a very, very low number. So most of those people that are iron deficient are eating meat yeah, um, and they're true. still iron deficient. So it's it's not an issue. And right now, the two athletes that I'm coaching through TotalRunCoaching.com Two of the best, most talented runners who are, you know, achieving the most success are 100% vegan and are having no, no issues with their iron whatsoever. And these are both women where iron can be a little bit more difficult to get, especially certain times of the month. Right. Um, no issues whatsoever. Amazing. That's so awesome. That's yeah, great to hear. Because uh, I mean, I think it's it's all about quality of the diet, right? And uh, as you said originally, there's people that are eating vegetarian or vegan, and they're not eating good foods. They're eating unhealthy foods, like ultra processed, as we talked about, like chips and gummy bears and crackers and danishes and different things like that that aren't uh, going to contribute much in the way of good nutrition. Absolutely. Well, we have another question. It's more of a question that uh, I like to ask our guests about our way to get to know the guest a little bit better. So I had a question. It's um, if you're going to a potluck meal to a friend's or family gathering, what would you bring? What kind of uh, dish would you bring, Scott? Well, I can answer that one quite easily because uh, I've already decided what I'm bringing to my brother's house when he hosts uh, Thanksgiving next week. And uh, what I'm going to bring is, uh, it's it's actually a breakfast hash, but I eat it for dinner all the time. Um, and it's a combination of butternut squash and leeks and Brussels sprouts mixed in with a smoky tofu or tempeh. So I'll, I'll marinate those in advance to give them a nice smoky flavor and mix it in with all the veggies. And it's just kind of a mixture of all those different things. Um, throw in some cranberries, which is what inspired me to bring it for Thanksgiving, uh, along with some pumpkin seeds. And so you get you know a wide variety of vegetables and you get your legumes and you get some seeds in there. So everyone will be uh, well nourished from what I'm bringing and it's damn tasty too. <laughs> and and it would be orange, right? It, it is. Yeah. It's orange, orange and green. Um, is, but yeah, seasonal, right? Seasonal colors it's, there. It's a very, yeah, I definitely eat it more this time of year. I mean, Brussels sprouts are in season right now. Nice as is butternut squash. So yeah, it's perfect for Thanksgiving. Oh, that sounds delicious. Yeah. And obviously you practice what you preach. Uh, that's the cool thing. Yeah. I, uh, I think I'd have, I'm not the type of person that could tell my athletes to do something if, uh, if I'm not doing it myself, at least to a certain extent, I'm not doing everything they're doing. But because uh, I'm no longer a student and no longer a teenager, but, <laughs> <laughs> but for the most part, yeah. Well, that's awesome. 
Well, thank you so much, Scott. I think uh, the information you gave us today and just everything we went over was so inspiring and interesting and comprehensive. I think it really uh, paints a picture that athletes can fuel themselves on plants. So plant powered and uh, fiber fuel, right? (laughs) Absolutely. I'm actually looking at a book right now that's in my office that is called Fiber Fueled by Dr. Will Bolshewitz. It's a great book. Right on. Oh, that's funny. I just came up with that today. I'm like, yeah, more people need more fiber. <laughs> I'm like, fiber fuel. <laughs> that's funny. I'm going to look that up. That's awesome. Right on. Well, thanks for joining us, Scott. Really appreciate you uh, taking the time out of your day and uh, chatting to us. That was my pleasure. I enjoyed it. We'll uh, put some links to your website on uh, the show notes so everyone can check that out and hit you up for some uh, coaching advice, hopefully. And um, yeah, hope that goes well for you. Thank you. Yeah, I'm uh, happy to take on more clients if if uh, people want to uh, look me up and get out there for their next 5K or tackle a marathon for the first time or you know whatever they are looking for. I'm happy to help. Yeah, there you go. It's uh, it's definitely worth a look. So check check it out. That's awesome. Thanks so much, Scott. We will talk to you again soon. Thanks so much. Okay. Thank you. Take care, right. guys. Take care. Wow, that was a really informative episode. Wasn't it? Yeah, that was great. Thanks to Scott. Yeah, and don't forget to check out his website, totalruncoaching.com. Uh, you can get a lot more information about Scott and his program there. Yeah, thanks for joining us today. And next week, we'll be discussing a topic that seems to be at the top of everyone's mind lately, healthy eating on a budget. Ooh, on a budget. Yeah, it's something that everyone uh, could benefit from, I'm sure. And also, don't forget to rate and review our show. We really appreciate uh, either getting a rating or or reading your reviews is always fun too. Um, And it definitely helps our show uh, and more people find it. And you can also find us on our social media pages, Facebook, uh, Instagram, under My Wife the Dietitian, as well as our website, MyWifeTheDietitian.com. Uh, you can reach out to us in those places. So uh, I hope everyone has a great week, and we will talk more next week. Thanks, Rob. All right. Thanks for joining us today on My Wife the Dietitian. If you like what you heard, don't be shy. Leave us a comment or review and be sure to share our podcast with your friends. If you'd like to hear more, hit that subscribe button. You can also follow us on our social media pages for updates, episode trailers, and other odds and ends. For more info and links on what we discussed on today's episode, check the show notes. We'll be back next week with another informative and fun-filled episode. 